Kentucky basketball is back in the NCAA tournament, but how much pressure is on John Calipari to lead the Wildcats on another deep NCAA tournament run? You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive in all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be asking the question, how much pressure is on the head coach of the Wildcats, John Calipari, to lead the Kentucky Wildcats on another deep NCAA tournament run. Going to talk about some of his comments that he made earlier this week. Also, going to be asking another question. What can a sixth seed do in March? Going to dive through kind of the history on what sixth seeds have done. Not a lot of history has been made uh, with the sixth seed. Maybe the Wildcats can change that this season. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, there is no reason, and I mean none, unless you are a fan of an opposing team. Even then, there's no reason that you should not be subscribed to the channel already. So I would ask kindly that you please go ahead and do that as we get closer and closer to the first round game uh, the Kentucky Wildcats have against Providence. Going to have people on to talk about this game. Going to be discussing the dis- different aspects of the draw Kentucky has had, going to be looking at what Providence does, kind of taking a deep dive on them. I believe Thursday is the day we're going to do that episode. Lots of great stuff coming up, so make sure you are subscribed for that. If you're listening on podcast, uh, please make sure to leave a review for the show as well. It would mean a ton to us here at Locked On Kentucky. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. The question, like I mentioned a second ago, how much pressure is on Coach Cal to get this team not necessarily back to a Final Four, or not particularly back to the Elite Eight, but just getting them on another deep tournament run. The frustration with the fan base has been understandable for a few years now. Kentucky has perennially, uh, if that's a word, perennially uh, been a powerhouse uh, in college basketball, and they have kind of had their way when it comes to both the regular season and the NCAA tournament at least with some amount of consistency relative to other programs, right? Over the past few years, that's not been the case. Kentucky has fallen short uh, when it comes to actually executing the way that they have in the past in the regular season. But the thing that has really got the fan base up in arms right now, at least a good portion of it, is the fact that Coach Cal has not gotten this program back to the Elite Eight, back to the Final Four, in a pretty long time. You go and look at Kentucky's history uh, in his first few years. It was an Elite Eight. It was a Final Four. as a national title. After that, obviously, it's the it's the NIT. And then the next year, uh, you go to the national championship game again. You've got a Final Four, a round of 32 exit, an Elite Eight, a Sweet 16, an Elite Eight. And then over these past few seasons, things have started to slow down. You did not get to play in the tournament in 2019 because of, obviously, because of COVID. In 2020, Kentucky, or excuse me, yeah, it was canceled. In 2020, Kentucky went 9-16, and 16, so no chance of getting in the league, or getting in the uh, in the postseason, rather. 2020-21, yeah, 20, yeah, 2021-2022, Kentucky loses, obviously, to St. Peter's last season. 
And then here we are this year. 21 and 11, the Wildcats are. The question of whether or not Kentucky actually makes it back to even the Sweet 16, uh, I think is a legitimate question here. It's, it's something to definitely be pondering, looking at this draw, looking at the situation, looking at the health of the roster. Can the Wildcats make a run? We'll talk about that throughout the week, but I think a lot of people, the fact that they have to ask that question, the fact that a lot of fans have to ask that question, it's kind of leaving them uneasy right now. And like I said, they're up in arms over the fact that Coach Cal has produced over these last five seasons um, nothing, at least in terms of what the, what the fan base expects out of, the, uh, out of the program, which is to get to the national championship with some consistent basis or on some consistent basis, right, and to actually do things in this one elimination style, one game elimination style tournament. Something that I have refrained upon for what feels like almost a year now is the fact that it is incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult to do what Kentucky has done in their past. As the game has evolved and it continues to evolve with things like NIL, things like the transfer portal, things like conference realignment, there's a, there's a shift in, a, in the balance, right? And teams like Kentucky, I think, are going to continue to be what they are, which is a blue blood. But the path to do what they have done in the past has become increasingly more difficult to walk, like I said, with the evolution of the game. So from my perspective, I think, like I said on yesterday's show, you cannot define the value of an individual season based on the results in the NCAA tournament. You cannot do that. There are so many things that could be accomplished within a certain season that could be valuable, could be respected. But if you don't make a Final Four, it does not mean that you're a bad team. If you lose in the round of 32 and you won 25 games, it does not mean you're a bad team. It's a very difficult feat to accomplish winning in the NCAA tournament. Because like I said again on yesterday's show, statistics, analysis, breakdown, a lot of it does kind of get thrown out the window here in March. It's very difficult to kind of sit there and give an analytical approach to an, on a game-by-game basis. You cannot predict what's going to happen in this tournament. Nobody ever has perfectly. And quite frankly, I don't think anybody ever will. People are going to continue to try, though. From my perspective, again, I think that there is a decent amount of pressure on Coach Cal to make something happen this season. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge the fact that this is kind of an eh season. Kentucky started the year off pretty poorly, 10-6. and six. There was not a lot of expectation for Kentucky to do anything. At that point, it was just a questioning of, okay, what is going on with this program? It wasn't, okay, can we make it the postseason? It was like, okay, we're not going to make it. So what's really going on here with Coach Cal? A lot of frustration was starting to build there. It's like we can't even win in the regular season now. This roster dealt with a decent amount of injury. I say decent. I think the coaching staff would disagree with that. They dealt with a lot of injury. This roster also dealt with, I think, 
probably some confidence issues. I don't want to say that kids didn't like each other, but just based on the way that this team has played this season, I, I don't know if mentally they've been where they need to be this entire year. Maybe that's just the makeup of, of what Cal's got this year. Maybe that's a, a coaching issue. Who knows? I don't know. I can't tell you. All I know is that there was some type of problem. There had to have been something going on off the court during games. I'm not saying kids didn't like each other. I'm not saying that. I don't think that's the case. All I'm saying is it's just weird the way some of these games have played out from a chemistry standpoint, from a consistency standpoint. And you head into this tournament chaotic. You're heading into a chaotic scene with a chaotic team. That does not mean there's a recipe for success there. It just means that something could happen. So the expectation for Cal, I don't think, should be significant this postseason. I don't think that there should be a ton of pressure this year. Heading into next season with all of this star talent being added to your roster, I think that there, there is an expectation that Kentucky makes a deep run next season. That's my stance on it. You have all the talent in the world. You have the best coaching, one of the best coaching staffs in America. You have one of the best coaches in America. You have one of the best programs in the country. You should be able to do something. The Fab Five, this is the reincarnation of it with this recruiting class. You have to be able to make something happen. There is an expectation next season. But this year, for a 21-11 and team that doesn't have a lot of healthy players, that's playing a short rotation, I think it's kind of, it is what it is this season. If Kentucky loses in the round of 32, I would not be shocked. I want to see them beat Providence. Outside of that, I'm not shocked at whatever happens for Kentucky if they lose. So that's my thought on it. I would love to hear your thoughts on whether or not you think there's legitimate pressure on Cal to make any sort of deep run this season. I want to say real quick, I'm not predicting them not to. I'm just saying it doesn't seem likely. And so, therefore, I don't have the expectation of him to do something with this roster in its current state. So, if you disagree with that, if you agree with it, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below if you're on podcast. At Locked on UK on Twitter is where you can find me. All right. I want to talk about some of his comments about the rotation and about these kids practicing. Because Cal made some really weird comments about, well, if you're not practicing, you're not going to get to play. I think that's a really interesting comment this time of the year. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know that you have a favorite Built Bar or Puff, and now it's your time to make it count. You can go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for, uh, personally, I'll be voting for the uh, for the Cookies and Cream Bar. Uh, that is the one I have had the most. That's the one I've actually been given the most by several locked-on hosts. Uh, it is the one I will be pulling for to go all the way in the uh, built bracket there. And if you want to support the Kentucky Wildcats to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff, and when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of built. Not only that, but one locked-on fan will win a 12-month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try these things. Even if you do not win the competition, you can go to Built.com to check these out. It's simply the best protein bar ever. 
They're so amazing, you won't even think that they're good for you. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They have amazing macros, great protein, low in sugar. It's phenomenal. Uh, I've really enjoyed having built on uh, this past year or so, and I've genuinely enjoyed the bars. So you can run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. All right, continuing along here on the Monday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dog hanging out here with you. So, obviously, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm talking about March Madness. As some of you may know, the Locked On College Basketball Podcast is a close friend here of the show, Andy Patton, Isaac Shade. They do great work over there. And as of today, actually, they are going through their predictions for the NCAA tournament. So, if you want to go check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, that's wherever you get your podcast. You can check out what they think about the Wildcats, what they think about this field. Really interesting stuff that Patton and Shade bring to the table every single day. It's, again, wherever you get your podcast. So John Calipari had what can only be described as some interesting comments about some of Kentucky's players that are not healthy. Right now, Kentucky doesn't have health, like I mentioned, across the roster. Frederick isn't 100%. Wheeler hasn't been hasn't played in half a decade. Jacob Toppin's not healthy. Kaysen Wallace isn't 100%. It just is what it is. Cal, I believe yesterday, had some fun comments about what he does with the kids when they don't practice. Going to pause before I read this quote for water. Because sometimes I can run myself dry doing these Uh, doing these episodes. Last week, Cal said, we had four guys not practice Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. When you're just doing scripting and you're not competing, it takes an edge away. I agree with that. I don't think that there's anything crazy there. It's also shocking that he didn't have four guys practice four days of the week before the the game against Vanderbilt. It just shows you the state of this roster. They're going to practice, Cal said clearly hoping to avoid the performance against Vanderbilt at the uh, SEC tournament on Friday. He said they practiced on Thursday, but we weren't the same. So you got to be here practicing or you're coming off the bench and you're not going to play as much. So he's talking, continue to kind of explain, he's talking about this upcoming postseason and through the SEC tournament. Cal said, if you don't practice Every single every single day, in essence, you're not going you're not going to start, and more so, you're not going to play as much. Now, I have not taken the time to dive into whether or not that's true, but what you do note about Severe Wheeler the first time he got injured is after he came back, he hardly played. Maybe that was because they were trying to ease him in, or maybe it's a philosophy that Cal has. Which, hey, listen, it doesn't matter how healthy you are if you're rehabbing. And you get back to health, but it's in the midst of a practice week and you can't attend some of these. You're not going to play. You're not going to start. Which is really interesting because I think that's fair to some extent in the regular season. But what I can't wrap my mind around is if they're healthy and you're trying to make sure of that and you're trying to get them prepared for the game, that's why you hold them out to make sure that they're healthy for the game, why on earth would you bench your best players and not play them as much if they don't practice as much? 
I understand the situation if you cannot get your players to attend practice healthy. But here's the problem. Your starters, your rotational pieces, they should already be attending practice. There shouldn't be an issue there. And if there is, you should have cleaned that up ages ago, before the season started. If you had players not showing up for practice and there was nothing wrong with them, that's a you problem. That's your coaching issue. You should have fixed that months ago. Now you're holding them to this standard that, hey, look, in the postseason where the games matter the most, if you don't show up to practice, you're not going to get to play. There's an underlying issue here. There's there's an indication of something that I don't think a lot of people have talked about. If he's pointing out, okay, that these players are not showing up to practice, it's one of two things. Or they're not practicing. They may be there, but they're not practicing. It's one of two things. Either they are genuinely injured, and by the time the game rolls around, if they're healthy, it logically does not make sense to play your perform uh, your your best players. It's, it's not logical to not let them perform because at this point you're trying to get the winner. This season is over. That's stupid, genuinely stupid. If you don't play your best players and they're healthy, just because they missed a couple of games of a, pra- or a couple of practices because they're injured, or it's indicating, it's giving the implication that. He can't get his players to show up and practice at this point in the season. And if that's the problem, which I don't think it is, if that's the problem, that's a whole nother sub, uh, subset of issues that we have to dive into. That's a whole nother can of worms that you've got to figure out as a program. If you can't get your players to show up for the NCAA tournament, for the SEC tournament, that is insane. That is wild at a place like Kentucky. And that is not a player problem. That is a you problem. You pick these guys out. That is 100% a coaching problem. Again, I want to reiterate, I don't think that's the issue, but holy cow, if it is. But the other problem here is if they're not healthy, right, and they aren't practicing, and they still aren't healthy on game day, you don't just tell them you're not going to play as much because you didn't practice that's not the logical reasoning for why they don't play. You don't play because you're not healthy. You don't play you don't play kids that are hurt. You don't give the reason why well, you didn't practice. So you're not going to play. That's stupid. You, you you don't give that reasoning for a kid being out. You tell them, "Hey, look. You're trying to rehab. We're trying to make sure that you don't have any injury on this court that is sustained." It is a long-term thing that could potentially damage your career. So we're going to hold you out. We're going to play you limited minutes, right? We're going to bring you off the bench. We're going to ease you into it. You're going to be this, that, and the other for us. Maybe even a decoy if you're that hurt. We just want you on the court. And if you want to be on the court, we want you there as well. You don't tell them, well, Timmy, it seems like here you we had four practice days this week and you were there for three of them and you only performed in one of them. Uh, looks like... You know, because that, that broken leg you've got is, is healing. We're just, you know, I'm more concerned about the fact that you didn't show up for practice, Timmy, and uh, we're just not going to start you. You know, that broken leg, you know, if you had showed up to every single practice this week, uh, you know what, we would just have you walk out there on a, on a stretcher. Like, we, we would just roll you out there, we'd give you the ball, and we'd push you down the court. Like, like that's, that's illogical. And I really hope that this is all of the context we need, that there's not more information out there 
because <laughs> I don't really know what else you do to explain this. How how do you tell your 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 players in March Madness if you don't practice you don't play? It's if you if you're not able to practice because you're hurt you don't play. You're making it seem like it's a them problem that they're injured. Maybe the kids are not, you know, trying to tough it out or whatever. I don't know. I just know that it is some confusing, to say the very least, comments uh, from Cal. Maybe I'm coming at this from a completely incorrect angle. I'm just reading the quotes. I'm listening to what he said in the context that it was given. And, man, it makes sense in the regular season. But uh, at this time, when if you don't win, you go home. I think it's less of a, a pride and a coaching thing if that's the case. You have to set that aside to win. But at the same time, I do acknowledge if this is a problem with the program and you can't get to come, come to practice, I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge issue. That's a much bigger issue. So, I don't know. It's very confusing. If you've got any comments on it, if you want to tell me why I'm wrong on it, if you want to explain your perspective on what Cal said, then you can leave that in YouTube comments below. Just weird because it implies so many different things that are not good. All right. Kentucky, obviously a six seed in the NCAA tournament. I want to get to some history on what six seeds do in March from bracket research. Before I get to that, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. We are now past the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, and that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You can just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drain, steals, rebounds, assists, all that good stuff for player props. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So, don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl, hanging out here with you. Really appreciate you making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. So, Wildcats, like I just mentioned, a sixth seed in the East region of the NCAA tournament. They will be taking on the Providence Friars uh, this Friday. Going to be having uh, going to have a lot of different coverage on that game coming up for you over the next few days. But for now, I want to ask the question: What can a six seed do in March? Well, Bracket Research is a phenomenal website that looks kind of down right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, it looked really, it looked significantly different three days ago when I looked at it. And when I looked at it this morning, uh, it looks like they're making some adjustments to the website. But <laughs> Bracket Research has been a really, really good resource for me over the past couple of years. And they've got some history on every single seed and like the likelihood of them making the second round, Sweet 16, all that good stuff. So this is what Bracket Research had to say about the sixth seed. Quote, the sixth seed made somewhat regular appearances in the Elite Eight through the first 17 years of the expanded tournament. It's only happened four times since then. It's been 31 years since the last time a sixth seed made the Final Four. So, the Wildcats, straight up, are battling against, uh, battling against history here. 
not just their own region, not just Providence, but history as well. Because time says that six seeds just don't simply make the Final Four. It's been over three decades since. Maybe they're due. The overall performance of these number six seeds, 91 of 148 six seeds advanced to the second round of the NCAA tournament. 43 of them went on to the Sweet 16. Only 15 of 148 made the Elite Eight. Only three of 148 made the Final Four. Two of them actually made the championship game, and only one of them was crowned champion. Over the last 10 tournaments, 19 of 46 seeds advanced to the second round, which if you just soak that in for a second, just kind of think about that. Over the last 10 tournaments, there have been 46 seeds. They play the 11 seed in the opening round. Less than half of them won their games against an 11 seed. Doesn't feel like a great spot for Kentucky, does it? Just saying. 19 of 40 made the second round. Six went on to the Sweet 16. Two of them, two of the 40, made the Elite Eight. So, like I said a minute ago, what is the expectation for John Calipari to make a deep tournament run? Uh, well, considering over the last decade, only two six seeds have made the Elite Eight, it's probably not wise to sit here and say, well, they've got to do this this season. They've got to make the Final Four. They've got to win the national title, or else we're firing it and we're burning everything down in Lexington. Like, you've got to have some realistic expectations here. Next year, let's talk about it. But this year, after seeing the roster and the health, I, I don't know. I want them to win the title. This is not a prediction segment. But history says it's very unlikely that Kentucky makes a deep tournament run. Bracket performance history and advice. In the first round, according to bracket research, there is an 86% chance of at least one upset. Out of the four six seeds, there's an 86% chance of at least one of them losing to an 11 seed. In the second round, 61% of sixes reach this round. And the Sweet 16, 29% of sixes reach this round. Elite eight, only 10% of all six seeds make it this far. And then in the final four, a six seed has not reached the final four since 1992. So it would be a shocker to see one make it this year. And then in the national title, of the three teams that reached the final four, two of them played for the title, one of them won it. So it looks like statistically uh, an improbable path for Kentucky. Now, you have to kind of back it up, and you have to look at the individual matchups that Kentucky could have, which I favor the Wildcats in some of them. I like their chances to get to the Elite Eight over some other six seeds and some other draws. I don't know if you have to apply history all the way here, but it is important to reflect, to kind of gauge again your expectation. In the second round versus three seeds, Six seeds all-time have a record of 29 and 46. Against 14 seeds, they're 14 and 2. So, if Montana State somehow finds a way to beat Kansas State, uh, Kentucky's got a pretty daggone good chance of beating them, at least according to metrics uh, this year and then history. And the final thing I want to point out that Bracket Research has here, feats of strength. 1988, Kansas is the only team to win the tournament as a six seed. They defeated the one seed Oklahoma 83-79 to in the national championship game. 
The only other sixth seed to reach the title game is Michigan. They lost to Duke by 20 uh, in that game. 1992, Michigan is the also the last sixth seed to reach the Final Four. Is 19, what, who was on that team in 1992 for Michigan? I'm sorry, I'm pulling this up. I've got to figure this out real quick. All right, who was on that team? I need to know. You had Chris Webber, Jalen Rose, Juwan Howard, Jimmy. Wait, was this the Fab Five? Was this the Fab Five? It was the Fab Five. Oh, well, would you look at that? How about that? You learn something new every day. I thought it was 93 or 94. I'm stupid. Three six seeds have reached the Elite Eight in the last 11 tournaments. That would be 2010 Tennessee, 2016 Notre Dame, and 2021 USC. Uh, so, best of luck to the Kentucky Wildcats, according to Bracket Research, but it does not look like they're going to be getting a lot of favor from history. I do think that, again, if you look at the draw, you probably feel probably feel a little bit more comfortable about where you're at, right, because of the matchups, but we'll just have to see. So, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hey, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter, at Lance Stahl underscore. You can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.